All right. Hey, welcome everyone to another Devo with Pat and Jamie. Um, and if you are watching this, you can actually watch it, visually see us. You'll notice that Pat is wearing his patented over the over the ear headphones beanie. That's right. It's cold. That thing is huge. Yeah, it's perfect for this. Is it like is it like made for two people? No, it's just made for one, but it's designed for one person to wear it in lots of different ways. You can wear it okay. headphones, over headphones. You could maybe wear it under headphones, but yeah. I wear it to keep my head warm. That's that's the only reason. Yeah, it kind of gives your, your head the shape of a mushroom. I think that's only because I wear headphones. Okay. Like if I, if I took the, the headphones off... It's not as mushroomy. It's, I mean, maybe it, not at all. There's a different type of mushroom, like a tall mushroom. Right, 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 right. So that's, that's where we're at. And there's the crazy hair as well. Perfect. All right. Well, Pat, what are we, uh, what are we looking at today? We're going to jump into a throwback passage. And I only say Ooh. that because over the summer, we went through the Psalms. And today, yes, we, did. we are back in the Psalms. Oh, yeah. We're going to check out Psalm 90. And we're going to read the whole thing this morning. Psalm 90 Whoa. is only 17 verses. It's the beginning of book four in the Psalms. So, Jamie, help me out here because I'm not super, I don't know for sure. I, is there like five, the Psalms is broken up into five different books? I I think so. I have to, I'd have to, uh, to look that up again. But yeah, the Psalms have been divided up into different books. Yeah. Um, traditionally. And I think there are five. I think so. Let's ask, let's ask Google. Yeah. <laughs> How many books? Google's always being a co-host here. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we should. From now on, we need to yeah, five. call Google Mr. Right. Google. Okay, Mr. Google, thank you for tuning in and helping us out today. Yes, we do appreciate it. We appreciate all your help. <laughs> so, And it gave an answer pretty quick, which is really good. So, yeah, this is the beginning of book four, and then, yeah, there are five. So Awesome. There you go. Okay, so let's check this one out. This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Well, I only know one Moses, and I know that Moses is the man of God. So I like the there redundancy, just to be clear. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Here we go. It says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born or brought forth, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You turn back, you turn people back to dust saying, return to dust. You mortals a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but the trouble are but trouble and sorrow for the quick pass and we fly away. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that you're due. Teach us 
to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord, our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands, the work of our hands for us. Yes. Establish the work of our hands, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's like a difficult one to read. Kind of like, yeah, yeah. The Psalms are hard. And and if anyone's out there reading the Bible and you're like, oh man, every time I read these things, it's just like the pacing seems a little off and a little, a little different. That that's because it was written in a totally different language. Right. And it's being translated. And so in order to like think about trying to translate a poem, um, good luck, right? Translating it to where the meaning of the word actually fits the poetic style of it. It just, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've experienced this, you know, difficulty translating firsthand before actually, mm -hmm. when I was on a mission trip in Pakistan, we were mm -hmm. leading a little class on, uh, it was like an, a very first AA meeting, Al Alcoholics Anonymous meeting for a group of people there. And we had a translator with us and the person I was there with said the term drunk as a skunk. And the translator looked at him and said, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to translate that. That like, doesn't translate. Like right. why would a skunk be drinking? <laughs> right. So. Right. And it doesn't rhyme in that language. And so it's like, that just doesn't work. Yeah. There's a lot of little phrases that we use in language that we don't even notice. They just go by us. Um, and when you translate them, though, it, it's it can be a really, really difficult thing to do. So some tips. I'll give people tips. If you're reading the Psalms, one good way of doing it is look at some different versions of, of the Bible. Mm. Um, we usually read in the NIV, but you can look at the ESV or the NASB or the NRSV. There's a lot of different ones out there. <laughs> or... The message is a pretty decent one to do. Uh, Eugene Peterson did the whole thing. So it's one person doing all the work themselves. And uh, he put it in kind of the language that he thought he, that he thought himself, you know, he would understand it, but also the language that he thought people, just kind of regular old people in the street would understand. Mm. Uh, and so th that's kind of a good way to do it. He didn't feel like he was tied down to keep the, you know, translate word for word, but it was more of like thought for thought. Hmm. Um, and that's one way of looking at scripture to understand it. And then sometimes it's just helpful to read it a couple times, yeah. you know, to go through a couple times, not just to think, oh, if I don't get it on the first try, then that's it. I'm done. It doesn't really work that way. So, well, speaking of second tries, let's go right back to the beginning and start this off. First of all, this is a prayer of Moses, and this is an important thing to begin with, knowing that this is something that is attributed to Moses. Um, we know the Psalms traditionally were written by David, and David is a lot of years after Moses. Right. Uh, so it's a prayer of Moses. So is the idea that Moses prayed this? Um, is the idea that someone wrote this as a prayer for Moses? 
uh, what what exactly does that mean? But and for us, I think what's most important is when we read it, it, it it's good for us to think of, you know, this coming from Moses. Like what? How would Moses's life affect this prayer? Like how would those things go together? And so right from the beginning, I think we can see it. You know, first one, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Um, God is the place of dwelling. Now, if you think of the life of Moses, where was his dwelling place? Well, Moses was born to um, to a woman who had to give him up and put him in a basket and send him down the river, hmm. literally sent down the river. Mm-hmm. And, and then he ended up dwelling in uh, Pharaoh's household, which is a pretty opulent way to live. Um, however, as he grew, he realized that he was not part of Pharaoh's household, that he was in fact part of this, this group of slaves. And he ran off and had to live in the desert with, um, with Jethro. And so he spent a bunch of years out in the desert. And then he came back to get people out of Egypt. And then he lived in the desert the rest of his life. So Moses was a guy who didn't really have like these solid dwelling places. Yeah. He was kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, and in the desert, you know, the last 40 years of his life uh, was spent not having a dwelling place at all. Yeah. But for him, that didn't matter because the Lord was his dwelling place. And he recognized exactly. that the Lord was his dwelling place throughout all generations. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and even in verse two, being able to say before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's like for Moses to be able to really wrap his brain around that statement and comprehend it in a really personal way. Um, really makes verse one even more real. Like, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. So he has his full trust in the Lord. That's like, basically, if I was going to rewrite that verse chunk, I would say, (laughs) Moses fully trusted the Lord. (laughs) Verse one. (laughs) Right. Moses fully trusted the Lord. Forget about the generations and the mountains and the everlasting. He just fully trusted the Lord. And Moses was someone who saw God face to face. Um, You know, got to see this glimpse of God as God was passing by. We talked about that at one point in our Devo. Uh, So Moses was someone who had an intimate knowledge of the Lord, um, more so than really anyone else uh, that we read about. And so that's like kind of a cool thing that he's the one who's reminding us of this. But then he turns in verse three, right, to this human condition uh, and God's, you know, piece of it. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. That sounds like an epic video game line. (laughs) I'm sure it is somewhere. I can can just see like you get to the final boss and that's what he says, return to dust, you mortals, and then like fires on you with some epic weapon. I'm I'm sure it's been used in a video game before. (laughs) Okay. That's my guess. If any of you know what video game, let us know. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or really like cheesy movie or something. Anyway, um, but this is true. People die, right? This is just something that happens. Uh, and this is talking about that, right? Return to dust, you mortals, a thousand years in your sight or like a day that's just gone by or like a watch in the night. You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass in the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but in the evening, it's dry and withered. Um, 
he's talking about people dying. Yeah. Yeah. And how fragile life can be, but also, you know, like for God, a thousand years, they're just like a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sweep away people in the debt in the uh, depth of night. All right. People away in the sleep of death at night and new grass in the morning. Uh, and then like second Im- imagery in the morning, it springs up new, but by the evening it is dry and withered. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know of any plants that kind of grow like that, but for God, any, every plant is like that. And it's amazing. Just kind of like trying to think into God's scale of time. Yeah. Uh, and, and how all these things happen and happen so quick. Now, verse five, right? You sweep people away in the sleep of death. I think about the angel of death during the Passover. Moses has like seen this happen before, right? He's seen where people have, um, been swept away in death. People have died in the middle of the night, even large numbers of people. Yeah. Um, and he, he trusts that God is in all that, that God is doing, you know, doing something new. Um, and in fact, in the desert, it, we're, we're told in scripture that while they're wandering in the desert for 40 years, they pretty much lost a whole generation of people. Uh, the people who left Egypt were not the same people who entered the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb, I think were the two that are mentioned. And so those two people who did make it through, uh, who did make it out the majority of everyone else at some point, these, you know, possibly millions of people who left Egypt, they all, you know, got old and passed away. And it was their children, the next generation who ended up inheriting the promised land. Very interesting. And the, the poetic style they used to write those four verses there, uh, the imagery uh, it was very well done. Yeah. Very well done. Verse seven, we're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. All right, I've never been consumed by someone's anger. I feel like, well, maybe I need to think about that a little bit more. I feel like these people are consumed as in like obsessed with God's anger. The word itself that they use is um, to fail, to perish, to stop, to come to an end, be finished, completed, vanish, fade away, be determined. It it seems like there's a pretty large range of what that word could mean, but... um, it's, it's like we're consumed by your anger, but it's almost like we are completed or we are determined or we are somehow like brought to a reckoning um, or, or finished. We're finished by your anger. Um, might be another way to say that. Yeah. And then, um, and terrified, the word terrified is pretty much straight up terrified by your indignation. The word indignation could mean heat, poison, venom, rage, or wrath. Yeah. Um, so like, man, like this is pretty strong language. Right. Yeah, exactly. At verse eight, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, uh, in the light of your presence, uh, confession, <laughs> you know, God knows like when we sin and God knows, yeah. uh, um, what we're doing all the time. That's kind of creepy to think about Pat that my secret sins are before God. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, It's like, well, those are the secret ones. Those are the ones I wanted to keep secret. I didn't want anyone to find out about. That's not how it works. They're in front of God. Yeah. Right. Right. Like what? Yeah. That's not how it works there. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> and they're not even they're they're not just before God. They're in the light of his presence. <laughs> oh, gosh. So it's like a spotlight is on him and God knows. And that's just why we have to always confess our sins. Okay. I have to ask you a question, Pat. <laughs> have you ever tried to hide a mistake you made? Yeah, I'm sure I have. And how did it go? I'm trying to think. Uh, not very good. <laughs> People always found out. You, know, like, you have an example? Uh, I'm trying to think. It's just, I'm sure there's like some times in elementary school where I would try to hide getting in trouble and my parents would always find out. <laughs> it's just like no way around it. They have a way of doing that. Parents do find out. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. I mean, if for in the long, like big picture, it's actually for the better. But, you know, I should have just told them to begin with. <laughs> There you go. That's kind of the line, right? Like when we're kids, we do stuff, we get in trouble and we think that somehow hiding it's going to make it better. And really, like you said, Pat, the, the easiest way to deal with it is to bring it to your parents right away. Yeah. If God's our heavenly father and we make a mistake, uh, obviously we can't hide it from him. Yeah. Like he's God. Yeah. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere. Um, you know, you might be able to trick your parents for a while, but... Man, you're not going to be able to trick uh, God. It's just as soon as it happens. I mean, he knew you were going to do it before it happened yeah, even. Right. Yeah, of course. Uh, so so with us, like like you said, you know, the best best way to do it is to bring it to God right away. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a practice that I, I try to, uh, you know, obey as much as possible. It's not... You know, it's not, I'm not going to ever make a mistake again because I know I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm human. I'm trying not to, but but I will. But when I do, the, the practice and the habit that I have is bring that to the Lord like right away. Yeah. Like r as soon as you can, bring that to the Lord and, uh, you know, confess those things to God because God wants to forgive us, right? Yeah. Now, this is going to give us what happens, uh, the wrath side <laughs> of it though, verse uh, nine, right? Yeah, nine and 10. <laughs> all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Oof. Our days. I wonder what that sounds like, Pat. Can you give us a finishing your years with a moan kind of a sound? No. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Oof. That's oof. Uh, okay. Oof. Uh, I'm just thinking like when you die, right? Yeah. The word uh, here, though, I looked it up. It's like to sigh or sighing or a rumbling. We finish our years with a sigh. A, rumble, mm. a rumbling. <laughs> it's like super hungry or one big fart. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. yikes. <laughs> our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Now, <laughs> I, the, the beginning of that, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. That sounds exhausting. 80 years if our, but only if our strength endures. Like that yeah. sounds, I don't know. That sounds rough. It, well, I mean, that's just, some people think like, oh, but back in the day, people all died when they were 25. Yeah. Right. That's not really true. Right. People have always lived for a good amount of time. Yeah. Um, Moses actually, the scriptures tell us that Moses was 120 when he died. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, he had a buck, a buck 20. Now here's, what's crazy about that. That means that he entered into the desert when he was 80 years old. Yeah. 
He was an 80-year-old man Young. wandering the desert, leading a group of people, hiking up mountains to talk to God, um, you know, dealing with living in the desert. Uh, but it said that his his uh, his strength kept going. Yeah. Like he still had strength up until the, you know, final day here. Yeah. Um, but it's true. You know, if we're people and if we're honest, 70 to 80, I don't know what the average lifespan of a person in the U.S. is. Google could probably tell us that. But it's probably right in that number, 70 to 80. Um, and that's true. You know, we have all these years, but then the best of them are trouble and sorrow. And, and that's, there's something true about that, right? The best of our years do end up, there is trouble and sorrow that can come with uh, our years. And... They go by really fast. Yeah. Um, the older you are, the quicker time goes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like we think about, oh, we're in quarantine right now and um, it's been a really long time. Yeah. We've been in quarantine forever. But if you're a kid, it's been like an eternity. You know, yep. my son, Oliver, I think I said by January or February, he will have spent 10% of his life in quarantine. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's a long but time. But if you're, you know, if you're older, it's kind of like, oh, this is just a season. Yeah. You know, it's a season. We'll get through it and right. and it'll be fine. But in the other part of verse 10, uh, uh, or first, yeah, in the beginning of verse 10, yet yeah. the best of these years are but trouble and sorrow. So like the best of the best, your best years alive <laughs> are still pretty bleak trouble and sorrow that doesn't sound very good <laughs> and they quickly pass and we fly away that's kind of like what you're getting at the older we get the quicker time goes years are gone and we're gone yeah uh, verse 11 right if we only knew the power of your anger yikes uh your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you um another epic line and then he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So there's a goal in all of this, like kind of doom and gloom talk that's happening here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the goal here is that we need to have this heart of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. We need to and, always strive for wisdom. And some of that heart of wisdom is to know your place, to know that you're, you know, you're your days are numbered on earth, right? You're not going to live forever. Uh, and to know that God is a God who is powerful and God is a God that deserves this great fear um, and that we are not God, right? So it's like this humility. Yeah. Um, the Bible tells us that, and I think it's in numbers, but I could be wrong. It might actually be in Genesis or in Exodus. Um uh, but it says that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. Yeah. Um, which is ironically written by Moses traditionally. Mm -hmm. But he he says this, uh, and, and I can read this and I can see if you truly understand God and the power of God and the might of God and even the heart of God, uh, you you there's really no other response than to be humble. Yeah. You're humbled by by God. Right. Um, I have an irrational fear of uh, windmills, well, <laughs> wind turbines, that I know some people have, have talked about. Uh, I have a lot of friends, whenever they drive through a place where there's wind turbines, they send me pictures and ask me if I'm terrified. Yeah, I wonder who that um, is. <laughs> I've gotten, gotten quite a few of those text messages uh, throughout the years. Yeah. 
But um, the thing that terrifies me about them is they're so big and they're moving so fast that there's a lot of power that's involved, right? Oh, yeah. It's all the force and all the power. And that's how they make energy. It's by being huge and, and by spinning around and making all that power. Um, the same thing is true. Like if you're, if you're by the same kind of feeling of terror or respect for something for me is the same when you're next to the airport and a plane lands like right overhead. Oh yeah. Loud. <laughs> yeah. It's loud. It's big. And it's just so much power and it's like getting so close to you. And as power gets closer to you, you start to get a little bit more scared. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that's kind of my response with God is God gets closer to us and we start to see the immensity of his power. Um, there is sort of this feeling of, of, fear and terror because uh, God is holy. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to turn a corner there with verse 13. Right. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Uh, good question. How long will it be? Uh, yeah. Asking the Lord for wisdom almost. Uh, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. I mean, that's... That sounds amazing. That's a- yeah, right. <laughs> uh, We've turned from the gloom and doom, and the wrath is as great as the fear. Do your name to satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Yeah, yeah. That we may sing for joy and be glad <laughs> all of our days. It sounds like a cartoon or something, right? Yeah, it sounds very nice. Uh, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years we have seen trouble. <laughs> that, I mean, the, the the corner that this made is, the turnaround is amazing. Yeah. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. I mean, what more could you ask for? Those four verses. It's like. <laughs> I know, right? This is like, hey, may everything be great for us and for, because we're your kids and, and singing for joy and gladness and compassion and. And, you know, you did say this turns on a dime. Well, the first word in it on verse 13 in here is um, turn back or return. Yeah. It's like it's an actual, you know, physical turning. So the word relent, um, they're asking God to turn, turn from this wrath to this, uh, this love and compassion. Yeah. And then uh, Moses wraps it up in verse 17 and what the one thing before we get there is this whole entire passage, Moses is directly acknowledging God, uh, which I think yeah. is like really cool. It was never God in the third person is mm-hmm. always like direct. And he wraps it up by That's saying, may the favor of the Lord, our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes. Establish the work of our hands, directly asking God, uh, guide us. You know, we are here. We're mm-hmm. your people. Uh, call us to where you want us to go. And recognizing, you know, these two aspects of God, that God is just, that God is holy, that God is powerful. And then also saying that God is um, relenting and God is compassionate and God is loving. And we do have this relationship. And I think that's what is so cool throughout this whole thing. It starts with, you know, God, you've been our dwelling place. There's a relational aspect to this entire Psalm. Yeah. Like you said, Pat, that that it's all about like it's like it doesn't matter if it's good times or if it's bad times like we want the good times we want the favor of the lord to rest on us we want to sing for joy in the morning um but even when that doesn't happen uh 
we're still in relationship with you. We're still your children. We're still your people. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to today's devotional on Psalm 90. See ya.